What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Terry, and with me, as always, is Jonathan Beatty. How are you doing tonight, man? Uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we've got some content coming out that we're, we're all equally excited about. Um, I guess I'll, I'll, I don't even think I've told you this. Uh, looks like I'm going to be going back to work at a real 9 yeah. to 5. Oh yeah, you you'd mentioned something about that, but uh yeah. So we we have been seemingly cramming a shitload of content into about a a week and a half period so we can uh stay ahead and and maybe see what this new venture for me looks like uh in dealing with this podcast, but uh as such as you can tell with Dan starting the episode, that usually means that this is a Dan Terry interview episode. It's a Dan Terry special. We're talking about a Christian hardcore band from the early to mid two thousands that's do you now know defunct. About those, what do you know about those? I know a couple of things about them. Um, I know that it was a style that that, that was out in the in the early two thousands. There's a couple bands, none of them really that notable. You know, it's just uh, no. I'm totally kidding, man. I'm like the biggest nerd about that stuff. What do you want to know? <laughs> I can tell you just about anything. I know he—he's speechless. That—that's all it is. He's—he's he's speechless in the face of my grand knowledge of early two thousands hardcore and metalcore. Specifically, if you were a band signed to Face Down Records or Solid State Records, I probably know about you and can facilitate an hour long conversation with you about it. I think the funny thing about a lot of the interviews you've done personally, other than that, uh, maybe it happened in the Scott from Zao one as well, but just the. <laughs> It always is entertaining to me when I'm listening to the episodes to kind of get it all edited and so forth. And I'm like, Dan knows more than the band person themselves knows. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's true with Scott necessarily. I, I mean, as far as I, from what I remember with that conversation, him and I just talked about vinyl for an hour, and then I don't know something about Tim Lambesis and you know, whatever. Uh, but no, it, it's not. Well, we we were talking about this earlier, where John will occasionally tell me. Hey man, it sounds like you know more than the than the person that was in the band about about their band, and I kind of understand that though because like I'm just a music nerd. I eat, breathe, crap music. Like I just do. I just do. I I, I just I'm always listening to music, and I'm always researching everything I can find about the bands, uh, because there's like probably five or six secret bands that I've heard before that I can't remember what they are, and this is kind of my journey to find them. Um. Uh, that's not the case with Means. I knew all about Means, uh, pretty much since their since their first record came out on uh, Face Down Records, and they were a band that was that was awesome that I was really into, and then they just disappeared. So th- this episode was kind of more of an exploratory. Well, well why, you know, or or, or what happened, and uh, I, I definitely got the answer to all those questions. It's kind of funny because the show has done that a couple of times, like you know, with with Nate from Finch kind of just kind of being you know kind of getting the fuller story of finch as a whole through the eyes of the relationship with him and his wife uh talking about say hello to sunshine which i mean is arguably my favorite record of theirs and finding out that they went through like three producers and it was going to get shelved or it did get shelved uh then the label finally put it out said no promotion or anything whatsoever um which obviously caused the band to have some problems and friction and break up and so forth and get back together and break up <laughs> so it's just is insane cuz Salo Sunshine is like 
one of the greatest records of all time. I know, and it just really sucks that that album never gets its just due. I mean, it seems like the internet, uh, which is you know is our our bread and butter for accuracy uh, with how people feel. Um, you know, a lot of people seemingly do like that record, but I think it is kind of fun to do some of these podcasts sometimes with people. You know, in a day and age where you know Dan and I are old enough to remember you know, pre-internet or at least internet in the way that it exists now where there's a plethora of interviews and you could literally send a tweet to someone and get an answer to a question that you've had for, oh, I don't know, four seconds. And it just turns into a thing where it's kind of nice to be able to talk to some of these bands that we've long admired and, and get answers to what happened. Uh, what happened to how you got signed? How, what happened to, you know, the shift in the sound uh, in the case of Blake Finch or even with Means because they started off, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was almost like a pop punk kind of emo band yeah yeah so they were they were a pop punk band called means to an end which we get into all this in the interview but uh basically yeah they it it was really interesting to me just to see the transition of them going from a pop punk band into more of like a a lot of hardcore yeah 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 and and so i i really which is funny because in the interview he said you know i don't think that we were playing the style that was really popular at the time which kind of blew my mind because i was like what i mean they were they were a, a hardcore band with with you know screams, clean singing, really you know like melodic choruses and stuff like that. That as far as I knew that 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 would have been like the bread and butter of what a lot of labels would have been looking for at the time. But uh, but no, they landed on Face Down, which was one of my favorite labels, and um, it, it was just kind of a cool story. And and one of the biggest questions I got to ask him, uh, you know, was about like the vocal change between the two albums. Uh, were leading people to the point of thinking that like they had had that they had gotten a different singer. <laughs> there was a band that that had that same thing happen, and I, I'm totally blanking on who it is, but it was the same dude. But if you listen to the records, it does not sound like the same vocalist, and it was someone from that same era of music. God damn, that's gonna piss me off. It might have been Means I was talking about. Um, I'm not sure, but it was really interesting to hear. You know, just like the concept of we've been on the road for like this long and like he's been screaming screaming every single night you know for the for the past two years and his voice just sounds different now because of it well it's like the dude from hope's fall right um yeah maybe that's what well, i was thinking of i don't know hope's fall i mean he he's been pretty consistent um since satellite years uh so i don't know i have to think i'll have to, I'll have to dwell on that for a little while it's one of those one of those hidden bands that i must go find Hope's Fall? <laughs> yeah. Not Hope's Fall, but just no, the whatever band we're talking about. <laughs> Cuz I don't think I don't think it was Hope's Fall. Anyway, uh this was kind of a longer chat, so uh let's get into it and we'll uh see you guys in just a couple minutes. <laughs> I have the pleasure this evening of speaking with Aaron Friesen, formerly of the band Means. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, doing awesome. Happy to be here. So I kind of wanted to get a little bit of a perspective. I, I, if you're familiar with my other show at all, you know that I love melodic hardcore bands. It's kind of my go-to genre, <laughs> so to speak, for, for heavy music. 
being kind of a, a kid that grew up listening to, you know, bands on Solid State, bands on Face Down Records, um, it didn't take very long for me to become acquainted with Means uh, whenever you guys dropped your first album on Face Down. But I always kind of wanted to know more because I knew that you guys had releases and things like that prior to Face Down and all that. Because I was like, yeah, they've only got two records. I wonder how much of, I wonder how much there is going to be to talk about. And then I kind of looked back and I was like, well, actually, there's three records. Uh, a bunch of EPs and um, yeah. even a, even a band name change in there. So I guess the only way to really talk about it, what got you into into playing music. Sorry. Yeah, it was just um, like so I grew up in like a pretty conservative home, and uh, so finding music was kind of just up to me. You know, like my parents weren't really listening to music. Not that conservative people don't listen to music, but that just wasn't something they were into. And uh, so it was just you know through my brother. Uh, you know, borrowing tapes from friends, you know, whether it was Weird Al or Green Day. Um, I remember finding some mixtapes like on the schoolyard playground that had the offspring on it. And and, uh, and a few of my cousins were really into Ace of Bass, which I know is <laughs> a lot different. But, you know, it was, it was just finding music that was just so much different than I could have expected and just gravitating towards that. And just kind of as I got older and... Uh, finding more music, you know, whenever, like I grew up in a small town, so we didn't really, I don't even know if we really had a CD store there. So it was just whenever we traveled or went to see relatives and would go to the mall or a bookstore and just kind of finding it like that in three different magazines. And that just kind of went from there. I wonder if you, at, at that time, you know, ha- having such an underdeveloped kind of idea of like, not really even knowing what kind of music it was you liked, but just like, does this sound cool? Does that sound cool? Did you ever take the cover challenge where it's like, whatever you walk home with is just whatever the coolest cover, you you know, for, for an album was? Yeah, yeah. It was really just whatever I, um, you know, found at the time was, yeah, it was my favorite album and just kind of whatever sounded good to me. I didn't really know enough about genres and stuff yet. Um, however, I, you know, so I kind of started getting into, you know, like rock music and whatever. And, and there was always something missing. I didn't know what it was until I heard a punk album and just hearing the fast drums, you know, from start to finish, that was exactly what I wanted. I just didn't know what it was. And is that what, is that what got you into, uh, into drumming overall? Was it just kind of that wanting to do something that had that level of energy or? Yeah. Yeah. Like I had started kind of, or I started playing drums when I was 12 and that was kind of the year that, that I found punk music. So MXPX and Slick Shoes, you know, just fast, fast punk albums. And uh, it just kind of took off from there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of funny whenever – so whenever I was that age, I remember doing like a lot of uh... – I grew up, you know, very similarly, very conservative, you know, um, my parents weren't really into music either. I mean, I think we did like, we listened to like gospel tapes and stuff. I remember actually having, uh, having a collection of gospel tapes that I actually liked, you know, which was, uh, kind of funny cause I think I still have those somewhere like in a, in a shoebox nice. or something. It's funny, uh, how I'd listen to some of those songs and you always, I, I always went for like the ones that had like rock drums and a lot of the times they were just programmed on there <laughs> or, or, or yeah. something like that. But, uh, so it was punk rock in the beginning and I guess that led to just heavier music or was there like a moment of like revelation of like, how can this go further or are there other bands taking this further? Yeah, it definitely came from, you know, listening to compilation CDs. So I, I remember getting, you know, a tooth and nail or a solid state comp, um, 
I don't even know what year that would have been. There was uh, songs from the penalty box. Yep. It was probably like, you know, 99, 2000. And uh, so I was still just really into punk. And hearing those compilations, you know, that had bands like Zayo on it was just like so crazy to me to hear that. I remember like my friends listening to it almost like mocking it, being like, oh, this is just like, what is this? This is ridiculous. But then as you know, you kind of listen to that and you branch into other bands and and you kind of realize like, oh, okay, like this is really cool. I, I want to know more about this. And like, man, this is like so heavy. It makes me feel something different. Like, what is that about? And just, you know, kind of keep exploring. And, you know, this was back like before I had internet or anything. And so you're just finding stuff on compilation CDs or magazines. And, you know, I didn't have someone older than me that, you know, like to guide me through it. So you're just kind of figuring it out and listening to whatever sounds cool. Now were your were your parents uh still relatively conservative at the time that you were checking this stuff out or was it like I don't know if it was like it was for me where I had to do it all basically in secret. <laughs> uh yeah, thankfully I think they just kind of realized that you know, so to kind of backtrack to I had a lot of like behavior issues kind of as a kid and so when I found drumming and music there was a big shift in in my behavior. And so I had something to put my energy towards. And so I think they kind of saw that, okay, maybe this music is foreign to us, but you know, it's helping him, you know, not be such a spaz and whatever. And so just kind of, you know, let him have his music or whatever. I think they kind of slowly realized like, okay, this isn't as bad as maybe we thought, you know, like they, they didn't have any reference point um, to know what any of that music was. And so I think, their first instinct was just like, okay, this sounds like something you shouldn't listen to, (laughs) but they didn't, they didn't know. Right. But yeah, like my, like my mom would sit down and look through the, the liner notes and like question me on the lyrics. I'm like, I don't know what this, like, can you understand what he's (laughs) saying? It's just, I think it's cool. I'm not like super diving into the lyrics or whatever, but yeah, it was, it was all good stuff. So, so what was it that, uh, that made you decide to, you know, try, try your hand at being in a band or, uh, was, was means your first band or, or did you play in others prior to that? Yeah, I had just like, uh, just kind of a sketchy band in high school. I wouldn't even really consider it much. I think we maybe played one show and just kind of played punk cover songs. Um, yeah, I think just as I explored music more, um, and just, kind of seeing pictures from live shows and um you know just kind of the the culture that went with kind of that underground punk and metal um there's just something really intriguing to me about that and so when I started playing drums and then you know you start playing with other people you just kind of get that feeling of like like this is really cool like I didn't really know like I could be a part of putting songs together and putting on a show and and uh, so that just kind of gradually went until I met the guys in the band and, and things just kind of lined up and just kind of kept going and going. And so, if, yeah, it wasn't necessarily to start thinking like, this is what I want to do. I don't know if I ever said that, but that's probably kind of what my, my feelings were. I was like, okay, hey, like this feels right. Like this is something I'm really excited about that I want to put lots of time and effort in towards and just kind of kept going. You guys were called a means to an end originally. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the band actually started before I was in it. 
Um, yeah, so they were called Means to an End. It was like super basic, like pop punk music. And I remember going to see them play a show and just thinking it was really cool. Like in our small town, we only had a couple of bands. And, uh, and then so I just went and talked with them and, you know, kind of through different conversations. And the drummer they had wasn't really a drummer. He just kind of learned to play. And so they asked if I wanted to come and jam. And like, I, I, yeah, I had never even really met these guys before until then. But again, you know, in a small town, you find like-minded people and you just gravitate towards them. Like they knew the same bands. They dressed the same. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of us that were that different, um, you know, in a small town. So when you see guys like, oh, man, like that guy's dressed like a punk. Like, cool. I want to be friends with that guy. Right. <laughs> well, and so from the beginning, obviously, the band always had kind of more of a more of a spiritual uh, slant, you know, lyric wise. And, you know, just more of that that positive, you know, kind of spiritual hardcore movement. Uh, which had actually been years old before, but from what you're talking, small town, just a few bands. I, I know in my experience of trying to get bands together, uh, trying to find like-minded musicians and stuff, I could never find anybody that would just, you know, basically like, yeah, sure, well, I'll, I'll be in a Christian hardcore band with you, <laughs> you know. Um, so was that? So when you say like-minded, was that was that kind of part of the deal? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't know if that necessarily was like discussed. We didn't sit down and like talk about that, but I knew that, that they came from, you know, like Christian backgrounds and, um, and so, yeah, that was definitely part of, of kind of gravitating towards them. Um, but that wasn't really like the necessarily the plan, so to speak, or the official thing. It just kind of, you know, we were, you know, 18 years old or whatever. You're just kind of figuring things out and, you know, we didn't, I don't really remember having like many like spiritual songs, you know, lyric wise or whatever. Well, I just remember, I just remember the beginning of that first release, the, the means really, it starts off. These songs are about Jesus. And, uh, Oh yeah. And that in red grace. Yeah. So yeah, at that period. So that's, I mean, maybe a longer story than I have time for, but anyways, we had gone offer to record with this guy and, uh, he kind of, I feel like he kind of pressured us into doing that. Like he, he said he would record us for free. And uh, so, you know, we were really stoked on that. It was kind of our first official decent sounding album. However, I can't necessarily handle it now. Um, but I remember him like kind of really wanting us to do that. And I'm not saying we, we did it against our will. Um, but I just kind of feel like, I don't know that's, yeah, that was kind of a, an odd choice, but I, I, I'm not I'm not denying the fact that that's where we were at then. It was just a weird kind of a weird thing to do. Sure, no, I understand. It's actually not sorry that, you had to hear that. It's album. actually not that weird. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's actually an album that I've been looking for for a while because it's it's not exactly easy to get a hold of. Um, I'll, I'll send you a all copy. Right. That sounds good. There definitely was a lot of that, and probably still is for like new bands that start off kind of that that have that christian background even though like your actual songs may not necessarily be like that but um just kind of the pressure around you it's almost one of those like we're going to record this heavy thing but we kind of have to tell everybody that it's about jesus just so like people don't give us trouble about it or <laughs> or whatever um that was where we that's where yeah. we were coming from uh when we did all that stuff uh way back i think that was back in like 06 or something like that 
Yeah, it's just weird to have like a spoken intro on an album. Like bands don't do that. So I guess maybe for that it was unique. I will say that I, I feel like a lot of people remember that album because of that, regardless of their faith, you know, like whether they're bugging us about it or they liked it, you know, it was just, but you know, like, so we were like kind of nervous about doing that too, you know, cause that's a pretty bold thing to do to put it out there. Um, but we didn't really get like any, I wouldn't say any like negative flack back then. Like we were pretty down to earth guys and had good relationships with, you know, whoever was coming to see us or hang out. Like we weren't like super preachy or anything in person. So I think people kind of saw that, you know, okay, you know, they're Christian guys, but they're not trying to shove anything down their throats or, or whatever. So it's yeah. Thankfully, it it was it didn't really play against us. You're not like, hey, I like I hope you guys like our songs. We're gonna take the next thirty minutes and do an altar call. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. However, I will. I'll never forget a comment, and I don't know if you remember that uh, magazine called Amp. Yeah, magazine yeah. From years ago, so they so that album got reviewed in there, and it got a terrible review. And they said something about that opening, and said something how about it was like George Bush's wet dream. Oh my god. Something. <laughs> which I don't really know what that has to do with anything, but so I guess for those memories, it's, it'll always be in my mind. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, you did that album and that's, that's after you had changed the band's name to means. Um, I, so I guess, was that a new chapter? You'd mentioned that it was kind of a pop punk thing when it was means to an end was the name change just to kind of signify that the band was going to be different starting off or was it like a, or like a restart or something like that? Yeah, sorry, I guess I didn't answer the part of the question before. Um, yeah, well, there was another band called Means to an End, um, and all of our kind of friends, fans, whatever, had just been calling us Means for short, and it just kind of stuck, and you know, as we were pursuing it, we were like, you know, Means to an End is kind of a lame you know, thing. Let's just go with Means. It doesn't really have a meaning, but it, it's cool, it's different, and it just feels like us, so we just kind of moved forward with that name. And I guess having kind of that more like of the pop punk background, is that kind of the influence of having more? Because one thing, one thing that I always liked about means is that it had a more than the average amount of kind of more of like a smooth vocal versus just being screamed from beginning to end. Yeah. Was that kind of part of it is to always kind of have a dedicated singer and have a dedicated screamer? Yeah. Again, I think it was one of those things that just kind of happened naturally. Like when we started, it was all singing and even then, like Matt had like a fairly raspy voice. It's not like it was a like a smooth cooing, you know, pop punk voice or something. Not a good Charlie. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, you know, and like as we progressed, we kind of got a bit more into like emo and screamo, and and so our bass player Blair would kind of scream like on In Red Grace. He did that, and you know, he wasn't really a screamer, but you know, screamed on it and. So just kind of as we progressed, just kind of trying to figure out that sound. and But yeah, yeah, there was definitely an element of, you know, a melodic element that we kind of always wanted wanted to have there. And because Matt was such a gifted singer, it just seemed to fit well. Yeah, that's cool. And I remember, too, uh, and maybe I'm jumping forward a little too much, but, uh, you know, the first time I heard I heard Means, obviously, was uh, sending you strength, you know, and all that. I remember being kind of taken aback the first time I heard it. I always thought Face Down Records, okay, seventh star. These super brutal hardcore bands that were just like so in your face and like 
they sounded really angry, but they were like super religious at the same time. And like, and yeah. I, and I guess that was just kind of a throwback to the old, uh, spirit filled hardcore movement from California back in the like mid nineties or whatever that they had. And, um, so the first time I heard it, I was like, this is on face down, you know, <laughs> like this is, uh, this is like really smooth, you know, like, but I yeah. always loved that. Cause I was, I was a huge fan of a band. I was a huge fan of bands like beloved and, um, poison the well and, and, and stuff like that. And so that it, it definitely scratched that itch for me. And, uh, that was kind of a transition for not only, uh, you know, not only the band, but also, also face down records. So, um, how did you guys end up getting a hold of, uh, getting a hold of face down or did they find you? Yeah. You know, and. Um, I think that was one of the reasons why, or I'd like to hope that's why they liked our band is because we did bring something a bit different. You know, there was a, a few bands on there, like there was a band called Inked and Blood that had, you know, some melodic stuff yeah, on it. Yeah. And, um, um, well, yeah, and I guess Comeback Kid before, maybe not, I mean, they didn't really necessarily have singing, but um, yeah, so we had released an, an EP um, before Sunny New Strength called More Than Watchmen for the Morning. And, uh, so that's when we were starting to kind of um, just figure out things and, and talk about, you know, pursuing the band full time. And uh, we were all, we were all fans of face down and, you know, all those old hardcore bands. And uh, so we had a guy that was managing us at the time. And so we just kind of said like, Hey, like we're looking to tour full time and really do something here. Um, these are some of our, you know, dream labels. Is there, could you try to get a hold of them? And, and so our manager at the time got a hold of Jason at FaceDown, and um, we, or he just kind of asked some more questions about us, and uh, so it was it was a process. Like I can't really remember how long. Uh, so we did like a few like kind of sketchy music videos, so he could kind of see what we were like live, and and it just kind of progressed. And I don't know if just when it came down to it, he was just willing to take a chance on us, and because really like we were a small town band, we hadn't done any national tours yet. You know, we had a strong kind of local following, but, you know, we were still figuring out our, our band as songwriters and, and touring. So, yeah, we were like, we were just couldn't believe that that he was going to sign us. And also to FaceTown, not to strike first, because at that time he was mostly signing new bands to strike first. And then if the album did well, then to FaceTown. And I can't remember if that was on his end or ours where we said, like, no, like, we're, we're serious about this. Like, we want to be on FaceTown. So we were, yeah, so stoked when that actually happened. Yeah, that's really cool. I used to buy Strike First Records releases at Hot Topic, believe it or not. And I, I got started doing that because I just went in one day and I think I was looking for like a wallet chain or something stupid, you know, like, and I'm looking on the shelf and I see all these like Strike First. They, I guess they had, they had landed some sort of distribution deal uh, where all their stuff yeah. was in Hot Topic and uh, all the other albums they were selling were like 16 bucks, but the face down and, and, uh, strike first stuff was all like 6.99 or 7.99 or something oh, like that's... and so like to be able to walk out with like with like two or three you know be they be they demos or, or yeah. records or whatever was really cool and uh and i remember that yeah strike first was always like it was always a kind of a 50 50 if you were ever going to hear anything from a strike first band ever again you know <laughs> like beyond that first demo because yeah. i know i got a. Uh, I got Inked and Blood's first out, or their first EP, um, and there was a few other bands I can think of at the time. And I remember I even I, I did pick up uh, Sending You Strength uh, at a Hot Topic as well, <laughs> and uh, and the second album as well. And it's it's so interesting to think about that because whenever you think about like a Hot Topic or something like that, you're 
I don't know, in my mind, it immediately goes to, like, the Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, you know, core oh, type yeah. of crowd. So it was funny that I'm buying these, like, hardcore releases from uh, from there. Uh, but that's that's just a little bit of a side note. But so, you know, you, you tell you tell Jason, like, hey, I want to do, you know, we want to go full time and you hadn't gone full time yet. I mean, what does that what does that look like, you know, as far as being kind of kind of a more localized band? And then just like because I would imagine to sign to face down, there must have been a certain amount of time you had to spend on the road even that first year. And like, were you guys really ready for that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I can't remember if there was anything in the contract about being on the road. So I, I should clarify, we so we hadn't done any, I guess when I say nationwide tours, you know, including North America, we had done, you know, a good amount of Canadian touring, which I don't know if uh, the States counts that as official or not, but <laughs> uh, yeah, so we had done, book. you know, yeah. out, yeah, like out, we'd gone out east a few times, which is very far for us to go from here, like that's like, you know, out towards Toronto, which is, you know, a 30-hour drive from here. And uh, so we were toured out that way and toured out west. And, you know, we had played, you know, tons locally. So it wasn't that we were inexperienced. Um, however, you know, we did start touring full-time, and you know, with the States. You know, you definitely learn a lot about what you know and what you think you know and, you know, what you what you don't know. So, yeah, again, I, I think, you know, he took a chance and, um, just saw that we were working hard and that we were we were really wanting it and we were dedicated to touring full time and and focusing on the band and so was there uh, was there any culture difference uh, between I mean I'm sure it'd be more slight with it being Canada and the U S it's not like there's a massive culture difference but I, I'm sure there are things that you'd probably noticed yeah uh, well our first show was in Detroit in the states and I remember there being smoking inside. And at that point, like smoking was banned in Canada and oh, yeah. in, in indoors. And so I remember that being like, oh man, like, oh, this is terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, yeah, I, the main difference I think is, you know, up in Canada here, especially in kind of the part that I live, we don't get a ton of touring bands through here. You know, when bands do tour Canada, they kind of stick to the major, the major centers, and uh, and so when we started playing shows, you know, kids are hungry for music. They're willing to, you know, come out every time you play and really support you. And uh, not just in this area, but even kind of across Canada. And uh, we found very quickly in the States that um, just, you know, kids have so much more access. They can go see, you know, a big name tour almost every week. And, you know, so for them to come see a band they don't know, it was pretty evident early on, like, okay, like we're, we're really going to have to, to work hard here and, you know, just keep grinding and keep playing, whether it's 10 people a night or whatever, for as long as need be, just to kind of show people that we're a serious band. And, you know, and back then there was, you know, I don't know what it's like now, but back then there was, you know, there was so many local bands. And so I think, you know, if kids don't know you, maybe they just assume you're another local band or whatever. And so, yeah, it, it took it took a lot of work and effort to just to keep going for sure. Did you guys? Uh, so I guess you guys made your way down to. Uh, I'm trying to remember when Cornerstone did. Did you guys ever play at Cornerstone? Yeah, yeah, we played there two years. So I guess that would have been 2007, 2008. Okay. Yeah, so I was there both of those years. I don't remember 
if I caught. I, I I went almost all the way to the end, and actually my band broke up the day after we played a Cornerstone, <laughs> which was hilarious. Oh, geez. yeah. Well, it's so funny too, because like we, you know, because I'm gonna ask you guys, you know, I'm gonna ask you later on, like, you know, so what happened, you know? But like for us, it was really funny because we just. Uh, I remember we played the show. We sold a bunch of merch. We had a great night. We were, you know, giving each other high fives on the way home. And then, like, we literally just, like, all drove home to St. Louis and never did anything again after that. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, like, we were working on a second record and everything. It was, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Cornerstone, I remember just the heat and the dust and everything. Yeah. That was, like, we were, like, I went to Cornerstone. I graduated in 2002. And that was like a dream come true to see, you know, all my favorite bands. And so getting to play there, you know, I like, yeah, I understand it was more of a, you know, a Christian scene or whatever, but it's still, you know, it's still big crowds. It's still, you know, a, a huge honor to get to, to play something like that. So yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I remember, uh, what was funny about Cornerstone too, is you say it's a Christian scene. It was, but like there were tons of bands that were there that weren't like really in that scene. Yeah, yeah. But it was funny because like, they'd right. be all like, yeah, but like there was a time in the two thousands, I guess between about 2002 and 2008, you know, basically until it was over where they're like, yeah, but we have to like come and play and be like seen here, you know? Uh, so there were yeah, bands. Well, it was an awesome festival. So. Yeah. But okay. So between sending you strength, which is, um, that record, very positive. So this is something somebody was talking about in one of the forums. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been the Facetown forum that we're all on now, but uh, it, I can't remember what it was. But somebody was talking about like the vocal difference between uh, "Sending You Strength" and um, and uh, "To Keep From Sin- Is it To Keep Me From Sinking." Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I always just call it "To Keep From Sinking," but. Uh, how there was like a vocal difference. And I remember actually thinking that whenever I picked the record up, I was like, Oh, they must've got a different singer. And then, uh, I think it was you that came in and you're like, actually, actually, no, that's not what it was. <laughs> he just like, that's just the way the vocals came out on that record. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, it's one of those things that you just kind of keep going back to. And there's not really, yeah, any good answer for that other than, you know, we just, we had been touring nonstop. We'd come home, we'd be writing, practicing. Um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't because of anything he did, you know, on purpose or whatever. It's just when we went to record that album, that's what his vocal sounded like. And, you know, I don't know if it's because it was strained or he was sick or something, but yeah, it definitely, it definitely shifted there. And it, and it's hard in those you know, with that, because it's not like it was his fault. He wasn't doing it intentionally. And so there was a bit of that maybe unspoken tension of, um, okay, so like on his, on his side, he's not doing this intentionally, but we all know that it's not the same. And, you know, people are making comments and asking questions and it's annoying because it's like, well, what do you expect us to do? Like he can't, that's just how he screams now. And, and so it was just, kind of it just was what it was it wasn't intentional but there wasn't really anything we could do about it and i don't and i mean like when i i listen back to it yes it sounds different but i think it still suits the record good you know it's got a different kind of rawness to it and that's how we sounded live and so we weren't necessarily going to try and like adjust it in the studio and then it'd be different live and you know, it's just one of those things when you're in a band, you don't really think that that's going to happen, but 
some of that stuff just happens. And so what are you going to do? Well, I was one of the people actually really kind of appreciated how it sounded because it sounded more raw. Like you said, it sounded like the voice may have was a little bit strained, but like when you're dealing with like intensely like melodic and emotional music, having that, that, that more raw, like vocal approach actually in a lot of ways makes it sound more emotional and 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 yeah, more, and yeah, more intense sure. like with more feeling behind it so you guys you guys you know put those records out relatively quick i think it was about two years um between so i think sending you strength was what oh six oh seven uh, it was oh seven it was actually yeah that was oh seven and then the next one came on oh eight i think it might have been later in the year but yeah those few years we just like went crazy just touring coming home writing recording just trying to keep music coming out so were there uh, were there plans for a third record, or is this kind of where uh, uh, kind of kind of the show stops? Yeah, unfortunately, this is yeah. That's on that record. That's just kind of how it happened. Like, I don't know if we had even really started talking about um, doing another record or not. Um, yeah, I, I I wish we could have. I still think about it even ten years later. Just what that record would have sounded like. And, and, you know, there was lots of things on to keep me from sinking that, that we would have done differently. You know, we went with a producer that we didn't know, whereas sending you strength, we had recorded the EP before that with the same guy, John Paul Peters, um, who also had done comeback kid and figure four and some of that stuff. Um, and then for keep me from sinking, we went to a different guy and that kind of whole experience in that studio was a bit weird and so I, I honestly think uh, that was kind of a part of it too, vocally. Like, I don't know if, if Dylan really had like much coaching in the vocals or if it was, you know, just kind of, if it was too rushed or, or what it was. Yeah, I feel you. There's definitely a, uh, a, a feeling of unfamiliarity, you know, when you're not necessarily sure if the people you're working with are necessarily sharing in, in, in what you're trying to create. And yeah. I mean, people deal with that. You don't have to be in a band to feel that even like, I mean, the people feel that way at work, you know, they feel that way, you know, uh, with an, yeah, I feel that sure. way about podcasts sometimes, you know, like, so I guess, I guess the elephant in the room yeah. question is, is so, so what happened? Uh, like with the band ending? Yeah. With the ending of the band, uh, you know, obviously, uh, if it's super dramatic, you don't have to get into it, but you know, uh, no, it's, <laughs> well, it, it felt dramatic at the time, but um, so I had, I had gotten married well in the band. So for, you know, two, almost two years, um, you know, I was married away from home. Um, and we found out that my wife was pregnant. And, uh, so that was a, a shock, um, just because we still expected to keep playing music and, um, and I didn't want, and maybe at the time had I maybe spent more time thinking about it, trying to figure out if there's a way I could do both. Uh, but it just kind of felt like, you know what, I need to be at home. I don't want to, it, it hadn't been necessarily a rough, you know, two years of marriage being away, but you know, it, it definitely makes it strain. Like I only got a cell phone, like maybe the second year. And so, you know, you're trying to stay connected and communicate. And so I think when we found out this news, it was like, you know what, I, I don't think we could do this while, while traveling. And so it just was kind of that. I was like, all right, I guess, I guess I'm done being a full-time musician. And, you know, I was like super ticked off. I wasn't, wasn't happy about it by any means. 
but at the same time it was like well this this is happening we're going you know we're going through with it and so uh yeah so I just kind of told the guys and said you know if you want to continue without me then you know feel free to do that and they just decided that okay I guess this this we're just going to end it so yeah it definitely was on you know not planned and you know I I still think all the time like what if at the same time there's a lot of things looking back it's like you know what like you maybe it was for the best of things nothing crazy dramatic but just maybe more so abrupt than anything yeah i can i can definitely relate in that regard (laughs) you know uh I think it's it's one of those things too where you know I I don't know what the average um, income is on for a Face Down Records band in 2008 you know but there's a certain sense of like you want to be a full time music I mean I'm sure you guys probably did pretty good on the road I would imagine uh, during those years but uh, I know I know for me it was one of those like how many more times am I going to go super far away and come back and you know have to somehow make up that time you know financially yeah. Yeah, yeah, like when I got married, I told the guys like that I would need a certain amount each month just to kind of help with bills back home and and they were they were happy with that and that was fine. But yeah, it was still, you know, a struggle financially, you know, like depending on what kind of tour it is or if your van breaks down and you know, but I mean, we were never in it for the money, so that that part wasn't necessarily like a burden to us. But, you know, yeah, you add a kid in there and that definitely changes things. And because all like all of us were kind of from different places, you know, none of us are originally from the city that we kind of called our home. So the city that I still live in. And so as soon as the band finished, we kind of all disbanded to different places. And so it wasn't even an option to, you know, still keep writing and recording and, you know, playing on weekends or whatever, which is, you know, what I think we all would have maybe liked. It just didn't work out. Yeah. I was going to ask that if there, if there was ever any thought of like, you know, especially in, in this day and age, uh, how easy it is. There, there's a lot of bands where like all the members are in like different, you know, like hundreds of miles away from each other and they'll still, you know, put a record together on Dropbox or, you know, uh, um, was there ever any thought of doing something like that? Or was it just one of those, this is a decision we made. We're going to stick to it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if we really, like, ever really discussed that, but, like, Matt, our singer, had been um, starting to do more solo stuff, and then he wanted to pursue that, and our bass player, Todd, was, you know, he had a girl that, you know, was basically waiting to get married, but didn't really want to do it within the realms of the band, and and uh, they lived eight hours away, and uh, Dylan, our singer, was wanting to go to university, and so I think it was just time and distance, and... You know, we'd been, you know, touring full time for a number of years by that point. And, and I think we, you know, even though we didn't plan on ending then, I think we all kind of felt a little bit maybe burnt out at that time. And, and uh, so, yeah, just kind of all those things put together. I think we just kind of decided, like, you know, we've kind of done that part of things. Let's just kind of move on and see what else life brings. Well, and I know I've seen other, I've seen other bands. Uh, I know... Every year they have that. Uh, I don't know if they're having it this year, but they usually every year they have like a face down fest or or something like that. And I've yeah, I've seen older bands from the face down family, you know, come back and do a face down. I think a plea for purging did a face down fest uh, recently, yeah. which is funny because those guys were like very staunchly like 
never doing this again, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So was there ever any thought to that or is it just kind of a, kind of a invite only kind of deal or. Yeah, no, Jason has asked us almost every year he's done it to come and play it. <laughs> and every year I say, you know what, Jason, like it sounds awesome as an idea, but logistically it would just take so much time and effort. And I really don't think it would be worth it for what it is, especially now, like as last year was the last year that was the 20 year anniversary. Um, yeah, I think, I think that was a plea for purging played. <clears throat> so he was trying to get bands to come and do a reunion and, and it's just like, I thought that I can't be bothered. The mindset of, you know, that was for that time. We ended on such a high, you know, on such a high note. I don't want to go back and, you know, like it just be terrible and nobody cares. And I don't know. It's, it, it, yeah, if it wasn't so far, maybe. And like, you know, like I said, distance wise, all of us guys are, are far away. And so, like, we would have to take weeks off from life and just to get our stamina back up to playing and, you know, there's there's a few guys that are def- would definitely go for it, um, but yeah, I, I don't think it will ever happen, unfortunately. Well, and to back up a little bit to get into get into Jason is he's one of the few label owners I've heard nothing but po- nothing but positive things about in the sense that like, how cool is it to be signed to a label where the guy that owns it is like actually just a fan of your band? It's not necessarily like a, it's not like a for business. Yeah, or... like I mean, obviously he does good business or whatever, and that that's a factor and everything. But uh, all, all I ever hear from bands that were signed to Face Down is just that, like, dude, this guy was just all about what we were doing. Yeah, no, that was definitely part of the dream coming true. You know, is you know, like he'd always come out and hang out. We'd you know, he'd take us out for supper. You know, we get to hang out with Dave Quiggle and his wife, which was a dream come true. He's Dave Quiggle, still my all-time favorite amazing, artist. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it really was awesome. You know, like after Face Down Fest, we'd all, or the day after, we'd all go for pizza together and hang out. And yeah, it was, you know, like from us coming from such a small town and, and then all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but, you know, within a few years, you know, you're hanging out with, you know, guys on a label that you know you grew up listening to and so you know and in saying that it's it's definitely more like down to earth and you know there's a lot of things that you know growing up listening to music and you know you see ads in magazines and so you just assume like all these bands must be huge and then you get to that point and it's like okay like it's 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 something but it's not like rock stardom or anything and they pull up in a rented van with a trailer you know yeah, yeah. So it was awesome just to hang out with with Jason and Shannon and just the other bands and just to kind of have you know a, that family atmosphere and have you know War of Ages you know kind of take us under their wing and just teach us stuff about touring and so it was it was really really special time for us. Very cool. Yeah, that's a, that's that's the funniest thing about Face Down is that's always it's always been a positive conversation you know with anybody associated with the label yeah. uh, which is really not common uh with a lot of the labels but like was there ever any, any anything with that did you guys ever um ever ever try to do anything with solid state or did they ever reach out to you guys uh there was a few talks i remember our manager at the time actually one of the years we played cornerstone he said that Jimmy Ryan, who was doing A and R at Solid State, who was the vocalist for Hey Today, um, was coming to watch us play. Um, 
we didn't hear from him or, or anything. So I don't know if that was just hearsay or whatever. Um, but yeah, we didn't, yeah, not really like, I don't even know back then how labels would have even found a band, a band like us. You know, this was even before, well, I guess MySpace was going on. So MySpace on, era. There yeah. was so many other, yeah, but you know, there was a lot of things about our band that, that were unpopular. And so I don't know if, you know, other labels really would have, really would have liked us. You know, we didn't really have the look and maybe the sound of a lot of the popular bands then. So, yeah, so we were very thankful for a band or for a, a label like Face Down to, to take interest in us. So to kind of shift a little bit away from uh, from that, uh, what what would you say probably you know growing up would have been your most influential records uh, that that really inspired you to play and um, maybe even helped shape kind of the music that you were making? Oh well, I guess that's a hard question because the bands that first got me into it weren't necessarily ones that influenced means um, necessarily, but um, yeah, like records like Life in General from MXPX and Rusty Slick Shoes, like those were huge for me just because they were kind of the first punk ones and, you know, maybe want to get tattoos and, and, uh, and be in a band and even just the clothes I wore. And um, so I guess like those, those are two that off the top of my head extend out for influential for me. Um, yeah. And as far as like records, like for means, um, yeah, like that beloved record for sure. Uh, I think that one came out before Sending You Strength because I, I think we used that one as a reference like for how we wanted yeah, for how we wanted that album to be mixed or something. And um yeah, like there was quite a quite an array. Like Dylan our singer, um, he was like very hardcore influenced. I came from more of, you know, a skate punk background. Matt was kind of a mix of that. Um and then Todd who joined just before Sending You Strength was more pop punk. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of a different array. So I guess that's kind of what how Means kind of got the sound of the melodic and heavy, and just kind of mixing those things. Yeah, a few other records that stand out was uh, Misery Signals of Malice and Magnum oh Heart. God. That was a big yeah. one for us. And uh, Kill Switch Engage, End of Heartache. Um, those two kind of came out uh, a similar time to when we did that In Red Grace album. Um, yeah, so those are two also that were kind of influential on, on some of our sound misery signals, man. They're, yeah, they're, they're still a staple as far as being heavy and melodic and just doing it right. Like doing service to both sides of the sound. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love those guys. We got to do a full tour with them and it was amazing. I, the way you explained it to me is that you were involved with the podcast or are you like doing the podcast on, um, like on a regular basis now? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on a podcast called music to my peers. Um, yeah, so I'm a, yeah, I'm a regular co-host, so to speak. Uh, so the other guy I do it with, he lives about eight hours from me. So we just kind of do it over the phone and record on, on, our, on our ends. But, yeah, that's been a really, really good outlet to, to kind of keep the, the dream of music alive. Absolutely. I mean, that is, a, that is pretty much 100% um, <laughs> why I do this, you know, because I, I did a band. It was short-lived, and this is kind of my way of being like, well, I still get to meet people from other bands and I still get to, you know, yeah. do, you know, have that connection. Um, but so, so you started doing, uh, you started doing that podcast, but I guess now it's like a full time. Yeah. 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 So the guy that was doing it, or I guess the co-host that was doing it before stopped doing it. And so, 
now it's just me and David. And yeah, that's kind of, you know, one of the things I miss the most about being in a band is just talking about music with, with like-minded people and talking about bands you grew up listening to and influential bands and records. And, and uh, so that's why I love doing this podcast because we just kind of pick whatever we want to talk about and whether other people care or not, it's like, Hey, if just me and you want to have this conversation and put it out there for anyone else, then let's do it. No, that's really cool. I, I've definitely I've downloaded a lot of the uh, episodes. It's so funny though because I listened to so many podcasts before I did a podcast, and so now it's it's gotten to the point where I'm like almost I almost get giddy whenever I'm not listening to something that I've done already, or <laughs> you know. Right. So I'm always I always love uh, I like I like the kind of music you guys are talking about with a little bit more of like the punk stuff. Awesome. And so we'll definitely uh, put a link to that show uh, in our show notes and and. Let yeah, everybody know how to how, how to get in touch if they if they want to hear more of your voice. That being said, uh, in kind of wrapping up, is there anything that you are doing musically now, or was Means kind of it? Yeah, as far as that kind of music goes, like I still do lots of writing and recording myself. Like I play guitar and stuff as well, and you know I I really miss that creative aspect of it. You know, just being in a room with people and just coming up with riffs and music that excites you and so i've been doing that for the last few years mostly just for my own enjoyment just coming up with riffs and recording it even if nobody ever hears it or if it even sounds that good but just to still have that kind of that adrenaline rush of like oh like i wonder what this riff would sound like on top of that or this drum part and because i can play all the parts myself and do it at home then it's kind of easy easy way to stay creative and, and active in it and yeah, like I, you know, I've thought lots over the years about I would love to to have another band of some sort. Um, but there just hasn't been the right people or or the time to do it, and so it's not really something I've necessarily pursued. You just gotta wait for your kids to get older, teach them how to play, and then you know you're you're, you're good to go. Yeah, family band. Yeah, <laughs> that's really cool. I you know all the kids love that uh, family bands. So <laughs> I don't know. There's, there used to be this family band that played this this like little music festival in the town I grew up and it was so bad. The dad was the keyboard player and it was just so hard to watch. So, <laughs> anyway. No, that's hilarious. I can't think of any family bands. I actually like, but uh, Aaron, thank you so much, man, for, for taking the time out to chat with me tonight. Uh, this was a lot of fun and definitely answered a lot of questions I had about the band that, uh, that I just didn't know. I, I love, I love all that nitty gritty stuff. Yeah. No, my pleasure. I, I still, nerd out over this kind of thing and stuff anybody's ever interested i always love love talking about and answering questions because i was that kid you know growing up i remember first you know going to different cities and you see local bands and you hang out with them and it's like man like this guy's so cool and i just have all these questions for him and so i kind of feel like that now when people have questions that you know, i just i love talking about it because you know it's one of those things where like i said you're kind of naive about it, right? You grow up thinking like, oh, okay, well, I can buy this record at Hot Topic. They must have awesome tours. You know, that's what I thought, right? And then I get to that spot and I'm like, oh, nobody cares. Like, yes, we have distribution, but so does a million other bands. Like, so what? And so it's just, it's always interesting just kind of hashing that out and just kind of talking about how things actually are compared to, you know, magazine ads or whatever. Alrighty, well, I appreciate you taking the time, and I will talk to you at a later date. We'll have to we'll have to pick a band and talk about them on discography discussion sometime. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Awesome. Well, you sir, have a great evening, and uh, we will catch up later. 
Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. And that was my chat with Aaron Friesen of Means. You may have noticed at the end of the interview that he was talking about his podcast, which is called Growing Up Punk, although it did used to be called Music to My Peers, which is what he called it, but I think they just changed the name just a few days ago. So uh, we will have a link to that podcast in the show notes if you want to hear more from Aaron. So, yeah, I, I definitely got all of my questions answered. Anything I ever wanted to know about Means, you can find in that in that hour chat. When you were preparing for this interview, you know, it kind of made me wonder, you know, being such a fan of them, and like I, we said kind of in the intro, the fact that, you know, not a whole lot was out about this band due to the internet not really existing the way it does now. And as I was finding when I was trying to find uh, Aaron's socials and so forth to, to write down for the show notes, it doesn't even seem like he's, other than Facebook, he's really on anything. So, I mean... Is it kind of hard when, you know, there's not a whole lot of information out there about this band as far as the questions you're looking to ask? And so therefore feeling like I know this is the obvious question, but I, I don't even know if this obvious question has been asked. Well, that's part of the reason why I structured it more of a let's just talk about you and, you know, how you got into music, what brought you into it, you know, what made you start the band? Because, I mean, I'm sure it's probably been a couple, a, a little while since since anybody in that band was interviewed as a member of that band, if that makes sense. Um, so I think, and, and that's not, that's not to be mean. It's just that they've been, they've been gone for a while. And so that, that's why I was kind of just more of an exploratory thing because I had never really seen anything else, any kind of write up on them for that um, beyond just like a Wikipedia page, you know? So uh, I just kind of wanted to kind of wanted to bring some awareness to a band that, that meant a lot to me that, uh, maybe some other people may not have been familiar with, or maybe they do remember from back in the day. Um, there's so many bands we hear that, that just kind of fall by the wayside, and you never hear from them again, and you kind of forget about them, you know. And so, in, in doing in doing an interview like this, um, it was just kind of my way of kind of bringing uh, bringing them back, if only for for a minute or two. <laughs> You know, the other thing that's kind of interesting about this is at the end you, you had kind of talked about how Face Down will do these, like, festivals or whatever. Yeah, Face Down Fest. And it, do you think that they're going to come back at all? Because it almost seemed like, you know, he he made the comment that they've been offered a couple of times and just haven't. But do you feel like maybe... Well, with them being up in Canada, I could see it kind of being hard. I mean, it's been a long time since the band really you know really played together so it's like everybody lives in different towns that are spread i don't know how far apart from each other they've got to coordinate they would have to coordinate band practices which would be really tough if everybody lives in different places and then you've got to prepare a set list and and then and then fly down there to california which is where they have face on fest and, and so i i could definitely see it I definitely get where he's coming from on that. I know other bands have done it, but it, I think it might be a little easier if you're more centrally located. And I think I think the distance really was the the thing that that's really preventing something like that from happening. The distance between the band members as well as from the fest itself. Yeah, kind of would make me interested to see what kind of a set they would end up pulling off. Because I mean, if you're reuniting, it's like, do you give credence to the longtime fans from the very beginning? Or do you kind of play more of the, the end stuff that they were, I guess, more known for? Right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of rough to, to tell too. And you got to think a lot of the old school fans were, were more local to them, you know, for their, for their earlier recordings. And then most people, I think probably only know about their face down releases. So I think, 
I think it would if they're at Facetown Fest, they'll probably just play, they would probably just play stuff from those releases. But it doesn't sound like it's going to happen, unfortunately. Um, I even brought it up two times because I, you know the first time I was like, "Yeah, you guys ever think about doing anything?" He's like, "Well, no, not really." And you know, here's why. And then I was like, "Yeah, but you know, what about Facetown Fest?" <laughs> like I kept pushing it. Um, you know, but uh, that's just that's just me being an old dude that that wants all of his favorite bands to get back together. Yeah. I often, you know, I kind of had wondered if they would have had more success staying with the original sound as opposed to what they morphed into. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Because, uh-huh. like, that that era of music was, it was rife with both eras of, of bands like that. It's like, if they would have stayed down the more, like, post-hardcore emo phase, that was blowing up already. But then kind of shifting into a, a more kind of metalcore-y kind of thing at times... I mean, that was happening too. So it's almost like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, regardless of where you go. Right. And I think that's what he was saying too, about how like their style really wasn't more popular. They're one of the few bands that actually started off more, more emo post hardcore and went more metalcore. Uh, it's t- typically the exact opposite. Right. Well, if you guys want to hear some more from Aaron, you can check him out on his growing up punk podcast. And uh, they they t- they tend to talk about a lot of a lot of punk rock bands. It's really not all that different than what I do over on discography discussion, but it's a little bit more punk than it is metal. So uh, definitely definitely check out Growing Up Punk. We'll have a link to it in the show notes, and uh, we will we've got uh, we've got quite a bit of cool stuff coming up very soon. We're sitting on like what a mountain of material. So we're gonna get out of here. But before we do that, I'm gonna let John tell you how to find out more about Brutally Speaking, Metal Nexus, The Bean Bastard, all of it. So if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. Uh, Means doesn't exist, so you can't follow them anywhere. And Aaron, as far as I could see, only has a Facebook page, and I don't really know if he wants his personal uh, Facebook page out there, so... I guess you're just shit out of luck for following any of that. And uh, if you'd like to keep up with Dan, where can you be found? Oh, I could be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. I could be found on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. I can be found on DiscussMetal.com doing my other podcast, Discography Discussion. I could even be found on Gmail if you look hard enough under several emails. But I'll give you just one. You can email me at uh, DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us simply enough at Brew Speak Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check us out on YouTube at Brutally Speaking Podcast or Brew Speak Pod. Search one of those things. We'll pop up. You might see the uh, actual in-person interviews we've done uh, there as well. So if you'd like to watch some of the interviews we've done, you literally can do that. If you would like to be a patron, you can go to our Patreon page over at Patreon.com backslash Brewspeak. Pod. We've got a couple episodes up over there. We have some interesting perks. Uh, Dollar will unlock some bonus episodes. Keep the conversation going. Let us know what you think of the things we're doing. Typically, we do like a top three list and uh, we kind of go from there. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at brutallyspeaking at gmail.com. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and get you some delicious coffee. Head over to Facebook and Instagram to keep up with all their latest going ons and the new coffees that they have a brewing. Uh, hopefully, I mean, we're close to fallish now. I know we're technically not, but I'm, I hate summer, so I'm just. Being optimistic that, you know, a cold season's right on the, around the corner. I'm um, hoping that uh, the October Rust uh, blend that he's been wanting to do uh, will will come to fruition. And uh, for the Brutally Speaking podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you all next time.